Welcome to the Twin Geeks. I'm here with Jack Davenport, Jack of uh, the Stacks and uh, many audio projects. How are you, Jack? I'm all good, Kelvin. How are you doing today? Doing well. And you have your uh, 10 second beat enterprise. Yeah. Everyone should check that out. Empire on Spotify and all where music lives these days on the internet. You can mm -hmm. listen to that if, if you want, you know, it's there. Are you working on more new material? I am. Yeah. I've got, I'm trying to do like two albums at the moment and it's just oh, two. Trying, to find the, trying to find the time to finish one. I've got like a, a fake film project one. So I'm doing oh, cool. songs for like fake films. <laughs> so I'm writing like pitches but cool. like genre films from like the 70s and 80s and writing like theme songs and like incidental music for that um so i really want to try and finish that out because I, I think that'd be really fun to throw out in the world there you feel like you could maybe pitch that to like you know people looking for like audio design that, for their it, new it's movies almost like um like a like a showreel like a portfolio mm. case in itself like uh oh here's a there's a soundtrack for the social network too um here's a soundtrack for a, a western a new mm. western or something like that so that's sort of the idea behind it so i'm trying to trying to get that concretely laid out and hopefully up by at least the end of the year you're also responsible for many of our theme songs now on the oh, website yes. so i refuse they're to beautiful. let a podcast <laughs> i refuse to let a podcast be on the twingeeks.com without my inclusion <laughs> somehow um <laughs> you have I, I mean we tried and you said no like like our interview show you're like no that one needs it too and we're like okay <laughs> no we're i refuse relent. to let that i refuse <laughs> to let that on the air without my my stamp of approval in audio quality <laughs> surprisingly we made it so far without covering guy madden at all oh, considering he's awesome. like a beloved his site filmmaker on these on these parts yeah for sure i don't even know like if he's like come up at all in our podcast really? which is insane mm. like i um, I think maybe like a what is it the green uh, fog the green maybe fog sure His I reviewed that at a festival or something um, yeah I don't think well David's not really a oddly you would think that he would be the guy Madden guy. Based yeah, on some of his old interests. Like a, you know, like silent cinema aesthetics. Uh, this seems to be you know in his wheelhouse, but that's definitely one one thing I gravitate towards with Guy Madden's work and parts of my Winnipeg, obviously. Um, is his his fascination with like silent cinema and like obsolete textures and like ways of filming that you really don't need to film on these days. It's like Bill <laughs> Morrison. Um, it's so cool that he sort of like preserves the aesthetics of a uh, hundred year old cinema, in, like in your landscape where people are still digital filmmaking and all this that. Like in the way that you're doing these lost scores, he's almost making yeah. these lost movies that didn't yeah. exist. That's and they're beautiful, like audio visually. They always mm. have both components, like well realized. And uh, I mean, we're big fans. Like through our Discord, mm. we talk about it a lot. Uh, yeah. How to take a bath is maybe the most yeah uh, part of um, the forbidden forbidden room. It's like a little segment in the forbidden room, and how to take a bath. You learn so much in that a couple minutes short. <laughs> <laughs> It's very funny that like, this segment has almost outgrown like what we talk about with the Forbidden Room. Like we don't talk about the you Forbidden don't Room. It's... You don't need like the two and a half hour opus of lost media. You just need that two minute YouTube <laughs> how to take a bath. I think he would he should be like a very like interesting like contemporary filmmaker because you could really mm. clip it up. Like if you put parts of my Winnipeg on like TikTok or something, like oh, hockey would TikTok it. would be like insane for like these Winnipeg uh but I don't think my hockey friends might, you know, outside of the Canadians. Really? I don't know if mm. they know about, like, my Winnipeg or 
It's such uh, a uh, rewatching. I was like, oh, there's there's a, another strong reason why Carlton love this. It's such a <laughs> hockey movie. Like it's it's in the DNA of Winnipeg and Madden. It seems. It seems like it almost has to be a a, a given. Like I mean, it's uh, more than a national pastime. It's what you do in those cold spaces when there's yeah. no other there's there's, there's no other activity <laughs> available to you in Winnipeg. You Just look at the. Little- you know, you look at the dead horse heads and you you play ice <laughs> hockey around them. I think it's your two options. Exactly. There's not a lot going on, but it's all very interesting. I think, it, I mean, hockey cinema kind of has a bad rap because most mm. actors can't skate. So interesting. Uh, I recently watched uh, Slapshot for the first yes. time, which is, I was quite amazed at like the, you know, the sort of athleticism of the, the guys actually playing hockey rather than just getting all hockey players in. Like you got Paul Newman in there and yeah, oh, I, they all cool. learned to skate. Like Slapshot's mm. one of the authentic models. So like these guys ah, actually okay. learned it. They could, you know, do the moves on the ice. But generally, you just shoot like medium close up and then fill in with hockey players. Doing yes, the yeah, yeah, yeah. So, doing the actual hockeying. So given that there's like a lack besides like miracle of like obvious hockey movies, this ends up being my favorite representation <laughs> of my favorite sport. Uh, yeah, which is cool. It's a very cool movie to have as a, a favorite entity of a sport because there's so much in this movie. It's not just the hockey movie. It's such no, like a, that's just a, a few cultural, minutes. A cultural local docu fiction hybrid. Rewatching it, I was. I remember watching it for the first time and just not knowing what to think. I just yeah. couldn't could not process it all because it is such a a singular object that is trying to do many different things there's so many themes there's so many different layers and characters and threads and it's it's about local history it's about almost like film like therapy through film and storytelling it's uh, so personal to him that i think revisiting it after being accustomed with a couple more of like madden's works it sort of sits a lot better um but it's just it's just a wonderful movie it wonderful Winnipeg has this different vibe where it's about like this sleepwalking like capital of Canada which is not really like an understood thing as far as I understand it but uh sure it almost has to fit that vibe so like it's a very drowsy narration very it's drowsy like Canadian ghost town yeah yeah it almost feels like someone narrating a ghost town from the ghost town like a, it's, it's a lost like a, transmission yeah it's strange it's got like an eerie sort of found footage quality to it like a, a weird haunted video essay you'd find on the deep deep corners of youtube <laughs> i mean it's nearly you know if it weren't fiction it would be documentary i mean uh, oh, 100%. if if these things were true like if winnipeg Which were the capital you could believe them though i i, I guarantee you could show this to someone and you, they could take it as stone cold fact <laughs> the way it's presented in such a whimsical way and uh like all the truths or you know the, the, the fake reality that he carves out here is kind of so strange that it's almost believable like it, it could happen like you know you don't know much about winnipeg and the horses frozen in the ice but maybe that is a thing that has existed once it's almost like it doesn't matter that it's not true because it's more true than just showing like winnipeg as itself like it's almost like the feeling of winnipeg is mm. is more embodied by this than actual footage would be of winnipeg yeah it's um, the spirit of winnipeg like concentrated on film this is also like the second Winnipeg filmmaker we've done in a, um, just a few, uh, in the last couple of months here, we oh, did right, a yeah. crime wave, uh, oh, cool. recently. Yeah. That's a really and fun movie. The director that grew up with Guy Madden and went to school with him. And no there's a little I'm crossover not- there. Yeah. Really cool. Small town, Small town <laughs> Winnipeg, just two directors trying to escape 
uh, Winnipeg, but also just being dragged back to it through film, I think is really, really interesting. I guess if you make film in Winnipeg, you must know everyone who makes film in Winnipeg, right? Like if you're- (laughs) There's not be that many. You're either an ice hockey player or you're a filmmaker. That's the only two things you can be. Whatever your profession is, you probably know everyone doing that thing when you're in Winnipeg. Especially like very micro, like aesthetic filmmaking here. I find even like the hockey part, I find so interesting just because of like this like curse history of like, oh, the team like left for a while and mm-hmm. and it has like this abandoned memory of like what hockey was in the past and uh, what happens to abandoned buildings and spaces that used to be the uh, focal center of your culture. You know, like mm-hmm. it's almost like you see those uh, arenas built for Olympics, like gladiatorial arenas, and they're just empty now. It's almost like that. Um the the whole film really like it just feels like this hazy dreamy like forgotten memory of a place and a time i think that that comes through in the, the presentation and the style as well but just sort of the content and the sort of uh like stream of consciousness chronology of it all, all like it just it just follows and throughs and like he's it, it, it intermingles like his personal history with the location and the community around it and it's so stream of consciousness it's so daisy and it's so interesting and woozy, but you, it's never it never lulls. It's just like this constant stream. I really, really like it. I almost keep wanting to make an argument that it is just documentary, that it's just mm. poetry visually yeah. uh, and poetry in words that are meant to imply this actual space and history of Guy It's, Guy, it's Madden. Guy Madden's Winnipeg. You know, this yeah. is Winnipeg to him. So from an outside view, from a third party, this is a documentary through yeah. Guy Madden's eyes. <laughs> right. I mean, I, I don't think it's like separate from his own truth, even mm. though the images are so abstract and they are pulling back from, you know, it's nice to have like abstraction that's not Lynchian too. It's yes, pulling sure. back from like a history before Lynch that, that mm. would have inspired Lynch. And I think yeah. that's a the sleepy modern town aesthetic, movie too. The sleepy town aesthetic, obviously. And like also like the like uh, a city of industry, that's such a Lynchian thing mm. um to tag on to. But Madden does it with such a such precision and such uh sort of like nuance as well. Is like images are almost more like Boonwelly and like they're almost um like socially concentrated and mm. surrealist in an artistic way like Gunshian Andalu or something yes. where it's just yeah, uh, 100%. it's also about like the montage you know he's such a an Eisenstein nerd a Vertov nerd the yes. black and white aesthetics feel like a blend of homemade student budget film and like classic Soviet montage cinema <laughs> archive footage 16 millimeter footage all blended together there's some of those like wonderful like uh, lottie rainier style animation sequences as well like the little yeah. out bits just adds another dimension to his vision of winnipeg he always ex- seems to be experimenting with form in interesting mm-hmm. ways uh through like brand on the brain or uh yes or the green fog even which is just like mm-hmm. an accumulation of like a hitchcockian <laughs> san francisco in every yeah. movie yeah. he's interested in film history as, as as like storytelling but also as a texture as a form as as media itself he's as interested in the way things look as what they are saying and what they are doing have you seen most of his uh filmography I've now i've seen all his features i'd like to say um but there's a, a couple of like shorts and more like art installation-y stuff on um, on Letterbox, which I haven't got round to at the moment just because of availability and whatever. But in terms of feature films, yeah, I've seen, I think I've seen all of them. 
I think it stumped the guessers. One of my favorites of the that's shorts. A, one of his shorts, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's a really cool thing. I think that might have been one of the first things I saw from him actually. Um, but like Dracula pages from a, a Virgin Diary is such a cool horror movie, and, and again, just understands the the aesthetics and like the purpose of silent cinema so well. It's it's crazy to think that thing came out in two thousand two and not nineteen twenty one. It's also so singular now. Mm. Uh, it it only reaches back to the past, but there aren't mm. a lot of contemporary things before my Winnipeg that were my Winnipeg. No, uh, it's it, it's it's hard to find any sort of comparison points. Really, it's like trying to t- like compare something to like eight and a half. It's just sort yeah. of it exists on its own. Really, like you can't trying to explain it to someone. It just sounds like it. It's a mess of a movie, but it works so well on its own terms. Absolutely, and I mean it's also pretty funny. I mean it's not oh, just absolutely. like serious documentary. It's a no, no, no. a very comedic uh, sense of what a do- poetic documentary would look like. He has a very a very dry but very fast sense of humor. I find um, in movies like My Winnipeg and uh, the saddest music in the world, he has mm. such a a distinct, charming dryness to his his wit and comedy, which I I, I always find um, impressive. That's almost like the Canadian niche of it is it's just like so like stone faced and just uh, mm-hmm. but also kind. It's not uh, mean spirited. Never. No, uh, I can't. No, I can't think of any of his movies that sort of, um, yeah, aren't mean spirited and it's all just sort of wholesome and there's a naivety to it all as well. I tend to like lean toward uh, filmmakers who seem like authors. Like a, mm-hmm. I'm very interested in the author as a director. Like yes, Eric Romare is kind of like my favorite director because it's almost like reading a book. Yeah. It's almost like existing in a Romare summer is like having the best summer read you ever had. Uh, my, my Winnipeg would be the, the most dense and comprehensive history of a place I've never visited. And it would have just lovely grainy photography in the middle. <laughs> yeah, I love that approach too because it, it doesn't... I mean, it feels like the images are just part of the writing in some sense, like the words mm. he's saying and what they mean are, is almost as much tied up in the visual language as it is the text. Uh, his choice of music as well. I can't, I, I don't think I've got the composer's name to hand. Um, let me have a quick look. But um, I think the, the soundtrack and the, the sound design does so much to add texture and dimension um, to the work here. Um, so it's like a noodling like woodwind score and it'll move into string sections or theremin and it just it bring it evokes the the feeling of watching a silent movie with a live with a live performance but it just feels otherworldly at the same time um mm. so no music credit on that box hmm. mm, i'm trying to figure it out too is it uh it looks like it's probably jason stazic who uh, Stazek, yeah who worked like, on several of his movies that makes yes that looks that looks like to be it um but he throws in some other some other music in there at the same time and just the sound design in general is, is i think is fantastic and it's uh also the dialogue by george tolls it's a uh, not all just guy madden it's also uh another guy talking in the movie mm-hmm. and I, w- I don't know if I would say it has like actors maybe it has subjects I, it's hard to really say <laughs> yeah I, I I mean I I didn't realize until this rewatch that the the actress that plays his mother um in the in the reconstructions is uh she was quite a big actress in the 40s uh she Anne Savage who she's in 
uh, Edgar G. Ulmer's film Detour, which is just this fantastic little micro-budget film. And um, I think it's so interesting that he leans into using this figure of, of cinema that's not really well-renowned, but is obviously very important to him and using that as a mother figure in his yeah. autobiographical surrealist drama. He said his mother was so domineering too that he mm. that she played such a large role, and this was almost him like facing that and yeah, exactly. And this figuring is a, out this, what she would think. That sort of therapy through storytelling, therapy through film. He's trying to work out something. He's trying to you know work out himself and his relationship with his family and his mother. You know, the only TV drama ever produced in Winnipeg, Ledge Man. She was she was the star of that. <laughs> yeah. and that's just more of uh, of Madden's very specific type of humor. It's like this is a thing that probably could have existed. This is such a a regional local cable TV thing. It's so located too. Mm, yeah. There's there's also this uh, Madden is like in the film as a character, but mm-hmm. he's not playing himself, although he voices no. himself. He voices which himself, is funny. The visuals of it is just the man on the train going through Winnipeg, <laughs> trying to get out of Winnipeg, you know. And it's almost just like trying to like it's like a reverie, like a falling into a sleep that's like a deep dream of your past. Yes. Uh, but it's not like, quite almost like inception where he just goes yeah. going layers and layers deeper into his own dream, into his own psyche, into his own consciousness. It's uh it's so interesting. It's not the lazy way that someone would do a dream sequence. Like you're saying, it's so layered that it has mm. like multiple approaches and, and how it's approaching that and then going deeper into like the docufantasia as he calls it. Yeah. Docufantasia is such a good word for it as well because <laughs> I can't it, think again, of other it, movies like that that have no, that. No, that's the thing. There isn't really much like my Winnipeg, which is why it stunned me on first viewing because I was just trying to trying to place it in context, trying to find reference points, trying to familiarize myself with what he's trying to do here and how he's doing it. Uh, but then I, I've rewatched it several times now, and it's just it just clicks into place every time now. I must have seen it just a little bit after it came out. It must have been like 2008 Ooh, awesome. or nine. So yeah. I was just uh, so taken aback by it, hearing nothing about it and just. Sure. I, I don't know. Maybe I was only there for like the Winnipeg angle. I don't know how I reached mm. this movie. It must have just been on something you know i don't yeah i, I can't I, imagine yeah. accessing it it's it's really difficult film to sell i can imagine you know distributors trying to trying to pitch this somewhere <laughs> it only you know i can't imagine it made much money but it only costs like half a million to make also mm-hmm. and yeah. it feels like it is so much more expensive than other movies i see a hundred percent i like just the, the visual look and just the, the concentration elements of silent and experimental and soviet cinema documentary filmmaking and animation and it feels so much larger than what it is i think he's got a great sense of scale through the the, the textures and the mediums he works with in in most of his his feature films really they all look incredibly impressive and then you, you research into the production history and it's even more impressive just using these obsolete formats and you know they're not, they're not cheap to process they're not cheap to film on they're not easy to manage they're not easy to shoot on and he pulls it off with such flair and sophistication it's also like a editing work like a i think of it as like the director's job to edit a documentary mm-hmm. and the way my winnipeg is pieced together and, and probably harder to edit given the the film the choices taken yeah, thing. trying to trying to work out when and where to put in the archive footage, and the the structure is so sort of, uh, it's sort of like um 
like little vignettes, little snippets, little moments tied together in this dreamlike structure. That it's it's it must be a very difficult one to sort of roadmap out in the first place, trying to get the <laughs> the flow of everything in the cohesive order. It's amazing because it almost follows like a topography of like Winnipeg itself. It's talking mm. about like the um, rivers that like fork into the city, almost like a woman's groin, almost the like they're like the birth. The forks yeah. elapse. <laughs> <laughs> right. The first forks elapse. Oh. And then like the Pacific Railroad also coming into mm-hmm. uh, Winnipeg and they have like this treasure hunting competition. It's like <laughs> all these rails and like movements and waterways are like it's kind of born around like these uh, subjects of movement itself. Um, mm-hmm. But then all the people having to do the treasure hunt inside the city and just like these abstract ideas that, that sound kind of funny, but they're, you know, probably not real things, but it's no, but they could be. That's good. the thing. There is it's so close to realism. They are believable in, in the strangest <laughs> sense. Like the, you know, the truth is stranger than fiction often. Like one of the last segments is talking about, uh, if day where they imagine if the Nazis <laughs> invaded and what they yes. do and you know in Winnipeg every day is if day and it's this scared sort of middle class suburbia which is amazing because they would never come to Winnipeg for any reason no, exactly. I mean nobody it's, like, it's such like a like an, <laughs> an unjustified fear <laughs> like, that's it's why it's almost of the worst like an if city like what if the city were somewhere someone would come to but even like this treasure competition like the the prize for winning is a ticket out of town. Like the, <laughs> yeah. the main event of the town is a way to get out. He's leaving, exactly. Yeah. And that's what Madden's trying to do here. He's trying to he's trying to detach himself from Winnipeg and work out how to move on. But Yeah, and I don't know if like any of that like I, I feel like the filmmakers who say that about Winnipeg seem to be drawn back. There's also like this magnetism. It's mm-hmm. almost like the magnetism is what keeps the people there in this sense. Like yeah. it's almost like a magnetic, magnetic, like psychosexual energy that like, like keeps them sleepwalking. Yeah. And there's they, like, you know, some strange horror sci-fi thing lurking. There's a, there's another worldliness to it that people can't resist and people have to stay near it. It feels like if they left, they would just sleepwalk back in, in the movie. Just, it doesn't yeah, feel like they can leave. They'd wake up on a train and it'd just be going back to Winnipeg. <laughs> it's it's like some dystopian short story or something, like a, a Twilight Zone episode. It almost feels like a circle of hell somehow in, mm. in the way it's like constructed. It almost feels like a limbo place between like real places in Canada and New York and, you know, the mm-hmm. East Coast. And um, I've never been to Winnipeg, but I, I do like the cinema that comes from there. I'd like to think I have been to Winnipeg because I've seen this film several times now, and I'm like, I got it, I've nailed it. I Better exactly than going, be. maybe. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I feel like I'd be, I'd be disappointed if I ever did go to Winnipeg. <laughs> I'd be looking for the the horses in the ice. I'd be trying to get the the tour of the old hockey stadium. Yeah, I I think it has like that history too, like baked into mm-hmm. like what uh, you don't really know. Like, it doesn't matter. It's kind of out of time. It doesn't matter if it's like contemporary. It's also exploring like early strikes of like the 1900s that happened in town mm. and uh, like the history of like the hockey arena. So it goes back like 30 or 100 years and it doesn't mm-hmm. quite matter which one it's doing at which time. That's the thing. Uh, it feels it feels like time is a flat circle. Everything is happening yes. at the same time in my Winnipeg. Um, you know, it's, it's a construct that doesn't seem to exist to, to Winnipeg natives. Almost as if the time didn't pass, like it's still locked it's, into it's, those times. Like uh, Dawson City, Frozen Time, another yes. Bill Morrison. Just you know, this film is is locked. This landscape, this community, this 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 history is just omnipresent. 
and just like the architecture and everything, it's just like locked into these spaces and moments of Winnipeg's history, but also mm-hmm. implies the city doesn't move forward in some way. No, it's stuck again. Yeah. It, it always looks back, uh, but it never quite moves forward. And uh, Madden as the, you know, art house director moving, trying to move on to bigger and better things. He's trying to make it in the big world, but still finding himself pulled back to the, the history of Winnipeg. The people who have been there have been there forever. I mean, like <laughs> their <laughs> hockey team isn't manned by like 20 year old no. like scouts. Yeah. I think they're called like the Black Tuesday. They're made of like 90 year olds and, you know, <laughs> 70 to 90 years old, I think is the age range. Yes, I think that's the, yeah, the range. Yeah. <laughs> Which is amazing because, you know, uh, hockey careers end at about 30 years old. It's that's such a thing. hard and sport. Talking about Slapshot and the whole crux of that is Paul Newman is 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 getting on in years and they need young blood on the team to make it succeed. And uh, my Winnipeg there's... and Slapshot, an ideal double bill, I'd say. <laughs> I would say so. You know, there's this bit in Slapshot where they like uh, hit the puck and it goes like flying out and hits the organist in the head. Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah. He's our uh, organist for the Kraken. We hired him on to do our, no our organ work. So, <laughs> so they play that in every game. And uh, that's fantastic. He gives a wave to the crowd. I think he's about to retire and be replaced by like an electric organ, but that'll be very oh, sad. That's sad. You know, some of these traditions, uh, yeah, it's hard to, to remove them. I think it's so eerie, like the organ in a hockey arena. It the, sounds the sound of the yeah. reverberating off the ice and the stands. It's like this otherworldly feel to it, I'd imagine. Because it's such a cold place and then it's just filled with like these sounds that kind of sound like the architecture of some of these old hockey yeah, spaces you don't you don't hear like traditional organ many places anymore <laughs> it's not really right. a very popular instrument so it feels very much attached to history and buildings and architecture as you say like i went to see uh the godfather one and two double bill at this old cinema in manchester and they still have this tradition of during like the intermissions like a, an organ a pipe organ comes oh, out from the floor that's cool. they play, and it's like very phantom of the opera and it's like yeah, the, the the organ is not a very popular instrument these days. You don't see kids running to learn the organ, I feel. It always reminds me of like Carnival of the Souls, where it's like yeah. almost like a church instrument. It's almost mm. like a, a instrument it's, for it feels very tied to sort of like religious establishments for sure. Like growing up in England, like the only exposure I ever had <laughs> to church or, or organs and pipe yeah. organs or whatsoever were just in church ceremonies or whatever. Yeah, that makes sense. And uh I think it's also like a prominent instrument used for, you know, like silent film. There's oh, yeah, sometimes sure. an accompaniment by organ. Uh, and I feel so... like it's such, uh, it's tied to like the, the aesthetics of like early horror cinema, uh, especially mm. like silent stuff. It's such an eerie, sinister tone. That... <laughs> it's such <laughs> a weird thing to have at your sports game. To have game. at your hockey yeah. game and be like, let's get ready for some, you know, sports entertainment with some chilling Phantom of the Opera score. I mean, you look around and people aren't like pumped up by it. They kind of freeze when he plays yeah. the organ. It's a very strange, like a. It's fun. Contradiction in itself, mm. of, like what the it's game of the, hockey the is. Fast-paced, you yeah. know, sort of athleticism on display, and you have this haunting, sinister, dulcet tones of an organ. <laughs> and I kind of like that. My Winnipeg kind of embodies both of those extremes, like the coldness, mm. and there's also. Well, there's a coldness, but there's this old warmness. It's almost born of these old horror movies that yeah, we're talking about it's, too. It's it's that sort of a half forgotten memory that you have this nostalgia towards, but you can't quite pinpoint why. Um, and again, just the, the sort of a sinister experimental nature uh, through the images and the sounds. It feels 
it feels scary in a way but again there is that warmth that familiarity to it there's yeah there's something like the dalian influence in the boon well film there's mm. some some lynch i i can't say it's not lynchian because it's, it's a not... racer headian i yeah, guess yeah there's it's just that industry uh that sort of industrial landscapes and stark black and white imagery it's it's a different approach but with some of the same like sort of like stylistics approach i suppose but again like nothing quite feels like a guy madden film I think <laughs> yes. he's he's working very much in his own ballpark and it's a very strange one i like the way twin peaks is specific to here i would say yeah. it's specific to winnipeg it's localized like that but yeah. uh i also try to like lean away from lynchian because it makes you think twin peaks which is very yeah much you not. think you think twin peaks and you think blue velvet or something but this right. is so it's so not that it uses some of the language of uh you know a lynch work but in such a a much more like comedic fashion in some in some cases not that lynch movies aren't funny in their own regard but i think madden has a very specific approach to comedy i think he was also the john pazis who did the crime wave he he learned oh, a yeah. lot from him and in mm. his like surrealist shorts uh have you seen Crime Wave? I think that's a you. I have movie. seen Crime Wave. Okay, yes. yeah. yeah, I've seen that one. Yeah, is it a Jack that movie? Crime Wave. Uh, it is a Jack movie because okay. there's that. There's Crime Wave two words, which yeah. is is the the Winnipeg movie. Then there's Crime Wave one word, which is the Sam Raimi movie, <laughs> which I always get confused with. They came out the uh, same year. <laughs> same year, eighty five, I think. Yeah. yeah, both very very cool movies for very different reasons. <laughs> I, I think. Yeah, there's another. Um, john uh john pace movie that i watched uh i can't i don't know if you've seen that one it's called like top of the food chain i haven't that's I've another seen one about uh, an, an isolated canadian town uh which would be very interesting to to revisit i think so yeah i mean john pace was like way before madden here so mm. you know when he said he went to school i wonder if he means like he was Maybe. taught by him um possibly i don't know because um i know they had run-ins in like education and i yeah, I, I imagine John Pace could have been like an instructor, Guy Madden's then. Um, we're just speculating. <laughs> this we is a speculative this is, podcast. This is now our, our My Winnipeg. It's Dr. Yeah. Fantasia about the history of My Winnipeg. Uh, right. it's, it's, it's true to us, but it might not be actual fact. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it looks like he was uh, University of Manitoba, and then he met mm. maybe uh, John Pace along the way. Uh uh, because he was the star of Madden's first film. Uh, oh, that's interesting. Really? I, did not, I did not realize that. Okay. So that's how they kind of came together. He was at University of Manitoba, then he cast him in a film. So we pieced this together in our uh, documentary <laughs> and, Fantasia. And our, own, our, yeah. our My Winnipeg. <laughs> I just find it so exciting because I love an atmosphere in mm. like horror like movies. It's yes. what really counts for me. It's what goes from like a seven out of ten to like a ten out of ten. It's... Yeah, it's you can have uh, an interesting story, an interesting narrative, characterization, whatever, but it's the feel of a movie, especially with a you know a horror movie like that. You have to have a certain textural quality that runs through the movie to make it feel I don't know just different. And I think Madden's work tap into that sort of uh, urge that I get for for movies like this. It just feels otherworldly hypnotizing and lucid and strange but very very warm when i saw it i don't think i had seen much silent cinema besides what i saw in in film classes yeah. so i was still you know possibly in yeah i was in film class around this time like in mm. college and uh studying film and 
maybe I got this for like an essay or something. I know I did something with it in a college class and, and that's what must have led me to Guy Madden myself. And uh, not knowing much about that, you could imagine it's like an entirely different world if it's you a different, hadn't well, seen. It's a thing. Like, yeah, 100%. It's, it's a different type of approach to the idea of filmmaking and storytelling right. like through personality and through charm and uh, the edits and the way he includes different elements of film history and of storytelling it's just it's it's different uh, in a way that works so well i wonder if it it must have like this expectation that you might know some of these surrealist early films and the eisensteins and the boone well but i didn't yes. know anything at the time uh, I, no i i went into that sort of uh it's quite a good like learning curve i think like a, a lesson or a, a starting point just to be like okay this is something this is uh you know this winnipeg tale and yeah. slowly unlocking the secrets and what he's working with and what he's using what he's pulling from what he was influenced by i think there was um a great interview series on the criterion channel i think where he go he's going through some of his favorite movies and they're all like like Soviet silence and some grand <laughs> epics, and it's a great a great way to fill out your watch list with some some more obscure titles that he's obviously pulled from. It starts with Rene Clement's Forbidden Games, which is like a, a top one pick that you yes. don't usually yeah. see in one of these. So you know it's going to be a a strange list. Um, Grey Gardens is the first contemporary one I'm seeing uh, here. Yeah, uh, yeah, Fellini, some uh, Eisenstein there, of course. Oh, uh, yeah, I could see all these in his work. I yeah. How it, he it's, got it's, to it. You can you can feel the influence, but the 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 final product, the final way he like uh, mixes and matches different aesthetics from them, just feels so novel. Uh, it doesn't feel derivative of those inspirations. It feels like a you know standing on the shoulder of giants. You know, we're building something that has never really been built in this fashion before. Haxon is his 10th pick, which seems yes, like really Haxon. interesting think, for him. I think that's what led me to Haxon, actually. Okay. Just being like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> Haxon um, is incredible. That would be worth a podcast of its own someday. Very, very much so. Um, it would be like this, though. It's kind of hard to talk directly to it's, the film. It's, that's the thing. It's so much, it's so experiential. Um, yeah. Which is not great for a podcast talking about <laughs> the movie, but. <laughs> but also, it is great to like fill it in in, in our like gaps of like coverage yeah. and be like, we have to get Madden in here. And maybe there's a whole career podcast that would be like more be meat on good. it. Yeah. yeah. Get, get Matt involved in that. I know Matt's a big Madden head. I know I recommended this film to Matt once in the letterbox server and he watched it like several times in the space <laughs> of a couple of days. He that happened like, to me is, too. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of like something. 10 films where I, I started it immediately after. It's yes, one of those can... that like, yeah. And I just watched it that whole weekend. The first weekend I contacted the film. It's just, it's so jam-packed with things that every rewatch is rewarding. Yeah. Because it's not like it's overstuffed. It doesn't feel bloated in any way. But it just feels like rewatching and uh, um, interacting with the with the film is, is so rewarding every time. And I think you need like every bit in it to lead to like this nuclear holocaust idea, which is like this very extremist <laughs> yeah. uh, end that it can kind of builds into. Um, and the pace, it, it's so well paced and it has moments of more lackadaisical town history moments. But there is some like real frantic energy towards that end as well. Um, very propulsive in the way. And, and the voiceover gets really, he's, he's a really good voice actor, actually. He's a very good <laughs> yeah. uh, narrator. He, he, so much passion and energy behind that performance which is a performance 
very Canadian sounding and, and uh, <laughs> also just like the words very spaced out and melodramatic mm -hmm. in a nice way. It feels like folklore of a place too. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, it, there's like regional folklore. Like there's another version of my Winnipeg, which plays as, as like real folk horror. Yeah. Well, most Canadian folklore that I, I contact is about like the native tribes and things. So mm. it's interesting also to have this white folklore of Canada, which is a, <laughs> a newer kind of folklore that's not so thing, yeah. yeah, it's not so much about like what the environment like led to. It's like uh what these people did to this place. Yeah, what industry has done to this place, what industrialization and you know. Because um, usually they're very tribal and this isn't really that at all. Um no. And you imagine that Winnipeg must have like a, a large history before they got there, but this is all like post-industrial Winnipeg, at least. Yes, it's yeah. it's starting with like nineteen eighteen is kind of its, you know, beginning Earliest of this point, story. Yeah, yeah. It, it almost feels like there is no history before then, which I don't know how to feel about. If there's one thing I don't know how to it's, feel about, well, it's, it's Madden's that, history. It's, yeah, it's it's, it's his Winnipeg. Of Winnipeg. Yeah. Exactly, it's not our Winnipeg. It's not the <laughs> Winnipeg. It's his history, and his history with Winnipeg starts around that time that's where his context lies mm, so trying to figure out where winnipeg the name came from okay it came from the cree name for a uh, lake winnipeg mm. uh winnipi meaning murky Win water Ooh, murky waters that's where the horses drowned in the murky waters and frozen and you could almost see that like murky waters would be a good like uh uh, murky like frozen water would be a good murky frozen water the yeah. bill morrison edit of my winnipeg <laughs> um yeah this movie feels like murky waters uh, you, you you have to squint to see through it you have to really concentrate on these hazy memories to try and make the full images and i imagine if i did know the history and you know uh there's always someone that's having land taken from them in a case mm -hmm. where a, a town gets industrialized so sure. i imagine there is some like bloodshed and war there that is reflected in the what happened to the the place and the city itself mm. and it's not like a small town either it's a pretty big canadian hub but it's oh, just it's massive, so but it, yeah it's the way that he 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 paints it as such a tight-knit small like minority almost doesn't it feel like a small town in some it, way it feels so small like in my yeah. head i'm like yeah winnipeg it's like i don't know like a village <laughs> <laughs> it <laughs> feels a like small community like I grew up in a town, Circleville, Ohio, like named after yeah. its shape. It's kind of, you can imagine. <laughs> yeah. Like one big cul-de-sac. There's sort of 2,000 people there. And uh, wow. Winnipeg has, you know, nearly a million people. It looks like it has mm. 749,000. So there's all people there. All filmmakers and hockey players, I feel. But... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you imagine they're. Okay, yeah, it's like the largest city and province within Manitoba, so it is mm. like the central hub of this space, uh, which is a very large space that's mostly outside these cities, very desolate. Like most of Canada, mm. of course, is northern and sure and uninhabitable. Not yeah, exactly, not a lot going on, and that's kind of what the it feels like. Winnipeg is sort of trapped in this area there. It's, it's almost like a portal center. between that and the and the people that are actually like living on the other yeah. side of those frozen wastelands. <laughs> a place trapped in time it's pretty neat but it is really hard to podcast I, i'm having a hard it's time a, like there's no one. plot you know there's no there's, plot. it is very much there's uh, a story a personal history of, yeah. a, of a place there is there's development uh, madden's actual sort of uh realizations and constructions of his own his own family and his own sense of place and history 
but it's not like the <laughs> setup and payoff. It's this continuous moving object. It's this video essay of a place that I'll probably never visit, but maybe I don't need to now. Maybe video essay is a better identifier mm. than documentary because yeah. documentary to me implies people aren't being paid, and I think the actors are paid here. <laughs> yeah, documentary feels like the something needs to be resolved. Something needs to be discussed in a way that has an ending because uh, if it's real and they're paid then it's reality tv but that's not what this is at all so, <laughs> no, not quite. <laughs> so i think visual essay is probably much better identifier yeah. um mm-hmm. our genres really stick us into like these camps where we're little pigeon, having trouble holes yeah. madden exists outside of genre i think he exists to you know not be pigeonholed that's why he is so he's so well versed in like art history and like his mm. art installation work as well, that bleeds into his cinematic works. So it is very hard to pigeonhole him as a, you know, a genre filmmaker. He is just a filmmaker. I can't take it away from it either because with the act of killing, these are my two favorite documentaries. So I kind of have to hold on to them as uh, both are very atypical though. Mm. Um, and even like act of killing, they're like remaking like a musical of like these killings in these Cambodian yeah. fields and what you know communism and things did to like these civilizations it's dark it's, not, it's the fantasy element it's uh, it's a documentary rooted in, in fantasy or fantasy rooted in documentarianism yeah it's hard to even it, i mean it blurs the line between these mm-hmm. objects and ideas and uh murky murky waters that's the thing i don't think i'll ever do the act of killing as a podcast i think it's too much i don't i, I don't i think that's a lot i think you'd need to have yeah. some real expert insight into that one to be able to add to what that movie is already doing if joshua oppenheimer the director wants to come on and talk about both those movies i think that's the only way i'd approach them yeah I, i'd imagine so <laughs> they're just too heavy you don't want to say the wrong things when you don't want so to say, much yeah you think. don't want to be misinformed as well this it's not like mm. our my winnipeg where maybe we get a couple of things wrong you can't have our the act of killing because you don't want to you don't want to say the wrong thing there yeah absolutely i mean uh <laughs> the act of killing is almost you know uh one of the characters act of killing it's almost him re-embodying what happened on mm-hmm. those fields and and how dark it got but these kind of reached me around the same time so uh mm-hmm. winnipeg came first of course and then a, a couple of years later i don't think i could have gotten to act of killing without getting into this and uh this movie possibly starting my love for documentary really that's really yeah cool. I don't think I watched any before, like oh, outside of school this is, or assignment. This being your first documentary <laughs> is, sets you up for uh, a very niche understanding of what documentaries can be, but also so it's so broad in that aspect as well. I'd say first loved documentary I, is, would probably be the right descriptor because, of course, I grew up with like MTV and VH1 and all the behind the music. Yeah, sure. So, that, and I was very. Like, well, when I think of documentary, I just think of like David Attenborough <laughs> nature documentaries, which uh, maybe Guy Madden needs to m- be uh, make one <laughs> pull pull some aesthetics from David Attenborough um, in the the heart of Africa or somewhere. I'd love to see uh, Guy Madden's My Planet or something. It would <laughs> My be, Planet, yeah, yeah, that'd be really cool. <laughs> my Winnipeg, My Planet, maybe My Country first. Maybe my it's country, like a like a, an America diving into the, the wildlife of different parts of America and Canada and like Super Mario Bros. You have to go from like land to world to galaxy, <laughs> right? Like I can't believe we went from, from My Winnipeg to the Super Mario Brothers movie, but from My Winnipeg are. to Planet <laughs> Earth to. Super Mario, <laughs> uh, Super Mario Galaxy, my guy, Madden, the Super Mario Galaxy, make it happen. 
I'm just glad that we did end up covering it. It is probably yeah. one of the hardest ones we've had to do. It's but... a tough one, but it is, I feel, such a, a cornerstone of our film circle's appreciation for both fantasy and documentarianism. Like, it's just, it's it's another beast. It's a complete thing of its own, but it feels so familiar. It's a, a lost, hazy, half-forgotten memory that I keep coming back to. Absolutely. Uh, I think we both have... Uh... Uh, some outs right now that we have to get to. So um, I've got to mm -hmm. get going in a few minutes. Uh, do you want to give the plugs for anything you're involved sure, with? Sure, yeah. You can listen to The Stacks on any podcast feed and podcast device you have. We also have a Patreon, patreon.com forward slash The Stacks on Film if you throw feel like throwing us a couple quid or a couple bucks to help us out. Uh, and as I mentioned at the top of the show, I make music under the name 10 Second Beats. You can find me on Bandcamp, Spotify, uh, I don't know, Deezer, Tidal? Do people use mm. Tidal? You can use, yeah, I'm probably on Tidal. I don't even know if I'm on Probably. Tidal. Probably. <laughs> uh, but yeah, thanks for having me on, Kyle. It's been really great to talk about one of these, one of the great movies, one of the great ones. Thanks so much. I'd love to have you back on. This is your first time on this show, this is, I believe. Yeah. So. Uh, and I'll always come back to talk movies that we love. Okay, I'll have you back. Uh, thank you so much, Jack. Awesome. Jay. Cheers, Kyle. Conversations and I post them online for entertainment. It's nice to know at least you listen to the show because it's quite the possibility that nobody is listening to me in this modern world. Things have changed, everybody's entertaining. Who's being entertained?